Welcome to Between the Shelves, the premier Savo Library podcast. I made, had to make sure to get the tagline in this time because we missed it a few episodes in a row. Uh, so this, it's June, it's Pride Month, so we are going to be doing uh, an episode today talking about some of our favorite LGBTQ authors, and then in next week's episode we're going to be talking about some of our favorite um, artists in other genres, music, movies, etc. So I'm joined today by... Christina from Adult Services. Hello. Peter from Adult Services. Hello. And Marianne, the head of teens. Hi. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for coming back. You're Thanks all for become, asking us, Alex. Yeah, you're all podcast pros at this point. We're regulars. Yeah, you're regulars. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's just get into it. So, I think we all have some different books, authors that we're interested in talking about. So, I guess I'll lead it off if that's okay. If there's no other uh, business to get, I think you should get head up. Yeah. Okay. So, the first book I want to talk about is, uh, it's a graphic novel, it's one of my favorites. It is um, A F- Fun Home, A Family Tragicomic by Alison Bechdel. Anyone read this one? No. Yes. You have? Yes, it was required reading. Same. I, it was a required reading for me as well, and I love this, love, love, love this book. I think it was re- required in a, a short story class I took in college as an elective. Uh, I took it in a graphic novel course in library school. Oh, wow. I'm yeah. jealous. That, that would have been a class I took, but it was not available. Um, so I think they just took one of the flashbacks from this book as the short story. That's what we covered. But I loved it so much that I went back and read the whole book. It's one of the best graphic novels that I've ever read, too. Um, and it tells the story of... It's autobiographical. It tells the story of the author, Alison Bechdel, and her relationship with her father... Uh, who was always kind of like a manic depressive and it's about you know their tumultuous relationship with her growing up and then you come to find out that her father is actually closeted gay man and his depression kind of stems from him grappling with that and everything else and um, yeah it's called a tragicomic for a reason it's so not so bright and bubbly story but um, it's the artwork is fantastic. The storytelling is fantastic. Um, it won a whole bunch of awards. And um, it won the Eisner Award, which is the best graphic novel of the year. And I think it absolutely deserved it. Apparently, it took Alison Bechtel seven years to write and illustrate it. And I was reading up about it. And her technique for um, composing each frame of the graphic novel is she would pose herself dressed up as her father and like take a photo of herself and then she would illustrate herself as her father like it was like a painstaking process so yeah it's really really great can't recommend it enough a fun home a tragic nope i already messed it up fun home a family tragic comic by allison bechdel alex didn't they make a there was a broadway play made of that did they yeah Yeah. oh i'll have to check that out fyi (laughs) i don't think it's still playing i don't don't know but it was a few years ago it was on broadway I think she wrote a sequel, too, that I haven't read, but I'll, I'll have to check that out. All right, who wants to go next? I can go next, because I also have an autobiographical comic as one of mine. Um, so mine is My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness by Kabi Nagata. So it's an autobiographical manga um, of the author uh, kind of exploring her sexuality um, as a 20-something while also struggling with mental illness. 
um, and it is really good. It's done mostly in black and white, but it's also like partially pink, and it sort of explores kind of more like the the Japanese culture of like dealing with mental illness and also uh, with same-sex relationships, um, but it's really good. There's a lot of uh, probably things that are relatable in it for I think a lot of people. Um, it was actually another required reading for my uh, graphic novel course in library school. Um, and it's also really short and the author has continued to write um, not necessarily like sequels but companions to um, the book about different aspects that are explored um, in here, in one of them, uh, she deals with uh, alcoholism, so she has one that is dedicated to dealing with that. She has two more that uh, are dedicated to trying to find love. And they're all, I wouldn't say fun to read, but they're all very good. Sounds That's good. It. Yes. <laughs> I have no follow-up questions. <laughs> Yeah, uh, my first one actually is, it's a novel, but it's also somewhat autobiographical. It's uh, We Disappear by Scott Heim. And um, the main character, he, the author hasn't like really said what is and isn't autobiographical. Obviously, some of it's far-fetched enough that it probably isn't all, but the main character is named Scott also. So, um, But it tells a story of... Um, uh, the main character who uh, is from Kansas but is living in the city. He's not doing well. He's addicted to meth. He's a gay man and he gets a call from his mom in Kansas that um, she wants him to come back to Kansas and help her solve the mystery of this missing boy in their hometown. So he flies back because he's like floundering anyway. He has kind of a dead end job and it turns out that uh, the real reason his mom, she is like obsessed with finding this lost boy, but she's also dying of cancer. And um, he finds out that she believes that she was um, a missing child when she was young, that she was abducted and memories are surfacing. And uh, it's really, I read this actually during lockdown and it was, it's really uh, haunting, but it's moving. And um, I found that it really captures for me at least that kind of special relationship a lot of gay men have with their moms but it's uh you know so they're solving a mystery which i like and uh, the whole family thing and dealing with the mother's death and him dealing with his you know he's going through withdrawals and it's uh really beautifully written it's really strange poignant heartbreaking and um i recommend it very highly <laughs> So um, I wasn't going to talk about this book, but since everybody's doing these autobiographies, I figure I will add in one of my favorites that I read. I read this last year, and it's called This Body I Wore by Diana Goetsch. I think you say it, G-O-E-T-S-C-H. And she's actually from Long Island. She's from Northport. And um, reading the book, if you're familiar with Northport or... Long Island in general. She mentions all these places on Long Island. She even mentions her um, one of her addresses in Stony Brook, which of course I had to Google, and then I 
I saw that they were uh, renting the place in like Zillow. So I had to look through the pictures of the home she lived in. I just thought it was really neat. It took me to like a different level of the book. Um, so it's her memoir of um, growing up and she is a trans woman, but she doesn't come out until, and she doesn't transition until she's an adult, a much older adult in um, maybe her forties. So there's a lot of books out there where um, trans, they um, transition when they're a lot younger or, um, but this was one of the first ones I ever read of somebody in their middle ages transitioning. So it was, very interesting book and she's very honest about what it's like to uh being and to live in a misgendered body during the 80s and the 90s so that was um when she grew up and she lived all around in the city um she um grew up sneaking into a lot of the gay clubs um grew up thinking um that she was gay um she was married a couple times i think she had i think she had a family or she was maybe she was married to somebody who had a family so she's got some step stepkids um and she um finally just really realized who she was when she was um, in her middle ages. So um, I thought it was a really great book because we don't have a lot of autobiographies out there of somebody who's not famous who transitions um, later in life. Like, you know, we have, um, you know, Chaz, Chaz Bono, right? Um, he's famous and Caitlyn Jenner, who's also famous, but this woman um, is a poet and a writer so it's nice to get her perspective growing up um i thought it was just a really beautifully written book and it was just really honest and it wasn't um a very long book either and i recommend it for anyone that likes any kind of autobiography or memoir of um somebody living in a misgendered body okay i am next so the next author i wanted to highlight um is virginia wolf so this book and the next book I want to talk about that I'll get into later, they're both written in the 20s. So this is obviously a time in history where coming out is not um, something one would do, uh, or at least celebrated. So Virginia Woolf was married to a man, um, but most of her life she had a correspondence with um, a woman that she, by all accounts, was in love with and lived with it sometimes. So. I think it's pretty safe to say that she was somewhere in the LGBTQ community. I think they would embrace her as, uh, as one of their own. So the book I wanted to highlight by her, I've read almost all of hers, but my favorite is Mrs. Dalloway, who was written in 1925. Um, this is probably the most autobiographical of her books. It's still fiction, um, but it's told through, uh, through the perspective of Mrs. Dalloway, who is going about her day preparing for a party that evening at her house and most of the story is told through kind of like a stream of conscious sort of writing and has flashbacks to her youth and she's reflecting a lot on some of her suitors she's had in the past and she keeps coming back to this woman named Sally's this um, she doesn't outright say it but you can kind of read between the lines that she's in love with Sally and she's kind of daydreaming about what her life would be like if she ran away with Sally when she had the opportunity. 
So it's a really wonderful story. It's not very long. I definitely recommend it for um, for anyone. And I, I'm not like an English major. I don't. I wish I knew more about classic literature to kind of really break down this book. But um, if you're not, if you're like me and you just like good writing, it's wonderfully written. So there's a lot to take away from it. So Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf is my recommendation. Good one. <laughs> My next one is Light from Uncommon Stars by Vrika Aoki. Um, so the, to escape damnation, the main character must entice seven violin prodigies to trade their souls for success. Um, so the book starts when she's already delivered six of them and she's looking for her seventh. Um, and she meets a trans runaway, Katrina, who uh, by all accounts is like a violin prodigy. Um, while all of this is going on, the main character also just happens upon a donut shop owned by uh, an alien refugee. Um, and they, uh, they fall in love and they also sort of uh, really come to care for Katrina and are trying to find different ways out of uh, sacrificing her soul to the devil so that she can continue to live. So like her life has kind of already been so tragic. She um, is a beautiful musician. Why are we going to do this to someone? Um, and it's uh, it sounds a lot more I think silly than it is. Like if you think like a alien refugee at a donut shop, like very like Douglas Adams. But it's it's a lot more serious than that. But it is a, like a really um, fun book to read. Um, a lot of interesting stuff happens in it and it's really good if you like sci-fi. I do. Oh, I'm going to add that to my list. <laughs> that sounds interesting, yeah. <laughs> it's my turn, isn't it? Um, my next one is um, it's called Sorrowland by Solomon Rivers. They're a uh, I think it's their second book. First one is called The Deep which is also really good but uh, Sorrowland is a much more difficult read, but I think it's got a lot more. Well, I don't know if I would say it has a lot more substance, but I, I really it had a lot to think about in it. It's it's about a young um, albino black intersex woman. She identifies as a woman in the book that is uh, living in a um, black separatist cult, and um, she's being. This sounds so melodramatic, but she's being abused by the cult leader who's her husband, but she's quite young. She escapes, and uh, she's pregnant when she escapes and um, gives birth to twins, and they are living in the wilderness. And the interesting thing to me about the, the book is she ends up eventually going back to the cult and kind of taking it down and everything. But all along the way, the, the, the themes of the book are just... It's about being in between identities, not having a clear black-white male female gay straight so it it's it really does a really good job of, of capturing what it's like to be someone who lives in the margins in between and um uh i just as a, a related note uh their other book the deep is really good it's based on a um, rap song by the band clipping but it's about um a uh like civilization of mermaids who real find out that they are um, descendants of uh, escape uh, people from slave ships that jumped overboard, and uh, in, instead of being enslaved, slave ships coming from Africa, and 
somehow evolved into mermaids. That one is a little more accessible, but I also I recommend both. That one sounds interesting. Um, so I have to talk about, of course, a teen book, the teen series. Actually, that's one of my favorites. It's a graphic novel series, um, and it's Heartstopper. Has anybody read Heartstopper? I have. You have? Oh, yes. Yay. <laughs> so it's like my favorite graphic novel series, um, volumes one through four. There is a novella out now that came out in January, I think, or actually maybe it was a little bit before that, but um, I did not read that one yet. So the first four volumes in the series are just I just love them so much and my notes I wrote it three times love 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 because I just think it's one of the sweetest series I've ever read it's very heartwarming it's about first love um and I mean like not to sound ridiculous but this is like a series that I read it and like I felt those butterflies again like you know like thinking back to you know back when you're in high school or you know you have an early relationship um it's just it's very sweet it's very innocent it's awkward um you have two main characters Charlie and he's like this awkward guy who's um you know plays the drums and I think the kids are like 15 years old and then Nick who is like the popular jock he plays rugby um and then he and Charlie are paired together in like a science class or um paired together at the table and they start to become friends Nick convinces Charlie to join the rugby team um and they get to know each other they spend time together and they very it's very slowly that they start to fall for each other and um you know they keep it a secret from their friends um there's a lot of characters in there there's a, a trans character um there's a lot of diversity uh so it's a really great book to read because it's not this all takes place in england but it's, they're not all like you know um it's a very diverse cast <laughs> is what i'm trying to say um the boys come out one is charlie's already out um nick is not so he comes out to his mother um both of their families are very supportive um the illustrations in the book are really 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 good i think they're perfectly paired with um the text and then slowly through the series we start to find out that charlie has um a mental illness and it's just such a beautiful book and it each book ends really sweet and the next one picks up like really really great also and i am going to talk about that series as um a tv show <laughs> in the next podcast so i just yeah. wanted to interject that yeah. it's uh i think it's so great that books like that exist now because yes. like i grew up not seeing myself and it's particularly in like a love story mm -hmm. kind of book yeah. so i'm a little jealous of kids there's, now <laughs> there's lots now in yeah. teen thank goodness and this series in particular is very hard to keep on the shelves like um and I, I think it's great for adults and teens and it is the teens are coming in and asking for this book so yeah it's it's out there and it's really it is good peter it's great yeah that's it right thank that's you it. So, well, my next recommendation is a little drier than that, unfortunately. So I'm going back to the 1920s. Uh, so this author, her name is Willa Cather, uh, and the book is called Death Comes for the Archbishop. I know it's a very dramatic title, but it's not a very dramatic book. Um, so this book was written, in, again, 1927 during like the Jazz Age. So Willa Cather, um, she wanted to write a book that 
was sort of the antithesis of how she saw society going. So during the jazz age, she saw a lot of like loose morals and um, capitalism kind of running amok and people chasing a dollar as opposed to like traditional, you know, values that she saw growing up in, I think she grew up in like the Midwest, I want to say. Um, in any case, so she wanted to write a book that kind of showed a different way to live. So she wrote Death Comes for the Archbishop, and it's about um, it's about a Catholic bishop who is sent to America in the mid-1800s to at the, the new territory of New Mexico to settle a diocese there. So it's all told from his perspective and his trials and tribulations of navigating this wilderness in a, a land that he doesn't speak the language natively. Um, and it, it, the writing, the prose is just absolutely beautiful. She paints this beautiful picture of, you know, the New Mexican desert and the beauty that you can find there. The writing is just, is just absolutely beautiful. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't even realize, I only discovered that Willa Cather was gay doing research for this episode um, because it, it doesn't have any... There's no gay characters in the book or anything, but um, I don't know. It was just an interesting... This book has stuck with me, and I, I just wanted to mention it because, uh, yeah, the, the writing is just fantastic, and Willa Cather seems like a very interesting character, so I'd like to learn more about her. I'm going to see if there's like a biography or something about her because she seems like a very interesting woman. Um, so definitely, I definitely recommend that. Uh, Death Comes for the Archbishop by Willa Cather. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like Alex is a, like a classics professor. I know, I know. <laughs> um, so my next one is actually a trilogy. Um, it's called the Kingston Cycle. It, it's um, three books: Witchmark, Storm Song, and Soul Star um, by C. L. Polk, um, and they're all fantasy romance and. It's a trilogy more in the way that like romance books are a trilogy. Each book follows a, a different protagonist, but there is a larger um, overarching plot that flows through all three. So it takes place um, in a world that's inspired by like Edwardian England. Um, and they're like kind of on the cusp of like a world war. Um, and if you, um, have the if you have magic it's not a gift you're going to basically be exploited for war or used as a battery if you are not as strong as somebody else they could use you as a battery for their um magic and each book in the series has like a different queer romance also a mystery in each one and um also a very diverse cast um, it also is about like fighting systemic oppression. So if you are um, into stuff like that, this is a great book. Um, also, the book covers, um, since there are three of them, are blue, purple, and pink in that order. So it's the bi flag. Um, but it's a great series. Um, all three of the books, I think, for a trilogy are just as strong as the one before. Um, and I think it has a very satisfying ending, which isn't always true in fantasy trilogies. Um, but I love this series, and I think more people should read it. I will read it. 
<laughs> me and Christina are on the same page, yes. I think, in a lot of ways, reading-wise. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the old-timer, like, let me tell you about this other <laughs> book I read. Oh, I'm up. Uh, my next one, I, I have a book, but it's really the author. Um, she's my probably my favorite current sci-fi fantasy author. She's a trans woman. Her name's Charlie Jane Anders. Um, the book that I was going to talk about is All the Birds in the Sky. It doesn't really deal directly with any like LGBTQ themes, but it's just a great fantasy book. It's um, about childhood, fr- childhood friends who reunite as adults in uh, San Francisco. One's an engineering geni- genius and the other is a witch. And uh, they both work together to try to uh, repair the world. They uh, connect with another group of magicians. And um, it's really just a fun book. It has like really snappy, you know, kind of like a Joss Whedon-esque dialogue. It's funny. It can be touching. But really, I recommend all of her books. Uh, She's only written two adult novels, uh, this one and um, City in the Middle of the Night, which is a sci-fi novel. But she has a really good um, YA trilogy. And the first book is Victories Greater Than Death that does deal with... um, has non-binary character, um, gay characters, and it's a really good, um, fun uh, YA fantasy. Um, and she's got some good short story collections too, but I recommend uh, everything she's written. <laughs> but this one, yeah, All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders. Um, I'm going to do another teen book. Uh, this is another really popular book. For the past year or so it's called they both die at the end by adam silvera and this is like a teen speculative fiction so it's a little little bit in the future and there's this company called Deathcast, and they call you on your last day alive and they call to tell you that it's what's called your end day um so there's these two boys that they're strangers to each other and they both get that call on their last day and their names are Mateo and Rufus and they're both alone they're both scared I think they're about 17 ish years old and they want to make a new friend on their end day so they join um, this app called last friend and it's how you make a friend on your last day so um, they meet each other and they have this one single day together um, They don't know what they're going to do. I'm sorry. They don't know when they're going to die or how they're going to die. Um, But, you know, they both, obviously, they both die at the end because that's the name of the title. Um, And even though we know how it ends, the journey there is beautiful. It's heartbreaking. um, And it's even surprising. Um, So they kind of fall for each other in the book and they're one day together. And um, the reader also falls for them. They're both very likable. Um, they're diverse characters. There is a sequel out right now called The First to Die at the End, and it's kind of, it's a prequel, and it starts just when the death cast goes live, um, and the first people get the, the first call ever, and that's what the sequel is about, um, and it's a really great uh, duology. Have you read those Scythe books? That sounds similar. No, but those are very popular. So yeah, it's a, a kind of a similar um, yeah. concept. Yes, with the yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> I would like to read those. Yeah, that's it. Sounds fun. Yeah. So it's time for Old Man Alex to <laughs> dust off one of his books from his shelf. So uh, this one's a little bit newer. It's from the fifties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
a modern. <laughs> a modern one. Uh, so this author is James Baldwin. Um, he's one of my favorite writers. He, he's probably most famous for his nonfiction work, uh, his essays on racism and race, and he kind of made him a civil rights movement leader, maybe begrudgingly. I don't think he really took that crown, uh, accepted it very willingly. But uh, in any case, um, he also wrote many great, fantastic fiction novels. Uh, and the one that I want to talk about is called Giovanni's Room. It was written in 1956. And it's, I was almost going to say semi-autobiographical, but I, I, I'm going to cross that out. It's not. Um, but James Baldwin did live in Paris for a while to get away from the troubles he saw in America. Uh, and this book is also set in Paris. It's about a young man who escapes his troubled upbringing in Brooklyn to kind of um, explore Europe with his girlfriend, Hella. So something happens, we're not really sure, but uh, this main character and, and his girlfriend kind of split up. Hella decides to go away for a few weeks and this young man uh, is left alone in Paris. And uh, the book is kind of, it's not told, um, what am I trying to say? It's kind of told in segments. It jumps around in time a little bit. So basically we come to learn through um, stream of conscious and flashbacks that uh, this main character is gay or bi. And he uses this opportunity to kind of explore that other side of him that he can't explore or he couldn't explore back in America openly. So... He finds this bartender named Giovanni that he falls in love with, and Giovanni's a very troubled character. We come to learn out, uh, come to find out, and is I'm not spoiling too much. I think this is all on the back cover of the book, but basically Giovanni gets in trouble with the law, and that kind of sets a lot of things in motion that gets our main character in a bit of trouble. Uh, and then when things are looking really bad, all of a sudden, Hella decides to come back to Paris, and then we have this love triangle thing going on, and it's a great story. Like, it's a really great story, and I'm shocked it hasn't been adapted to, like, a movie or a show or a miniseries or something, because the story is, like, really riveting and still modern and great. Um, but James Baldwin, again, I mean, he, he got famous for his writing, and the prose in this book is phenomenal like it's one of the best written books i've ever read so if you again if you like good writing you'll like this if you're looking for kind of like a mystery there's that part of it too if you like romance this is one of the best romance books i've ever read um so really can't recommend it enough and it's it's again it's one of those i haven't read too many books with a gay protagonist that is a romance a uh, rom romantic book so this you know it was kind of not eye-opening for me but it was an opportunity for me to read a book from a perspective that I don't personally live and I don't see very often so you know it, it was really profound for me I, I really really enjoyed this book um, and just some last quick note about this book um, James Baldwin he had a he was doing pretty well at this time you know he was famous for his nonfiction writing and his publisher when James Baldwin presented this book to his publisher, his publisher like urged him like, please don't put out this book. Like we don't want to put this out because it will, you know, no one wants to read a book about a gay main character and his romance and everything. But James Baldwin persisted and the book was a success. So, you know, speaks to him as his character 
And uh, yeah, can't recommend it enough. Giovanni's Room, James Baldwin. I actually had um, Another Country on my list by James Baldwin, but then I thought, I bet Alex that has I almost Baldwin <laughs> on his list, so I took it off. I almost mentioned that one. Uh, if Beale Street Can Talk is another great one, too. Yeah. Um, great movie, too, adaptation. Yeah, but... yeah I, I actually saw that. Movie. Hey. <laughs> All right, that was my last book. Okay, my last book um, is The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri. Um, it is a fantasy world inspired by India um, where a princess is being held captive in a tower um, and uh, a maidservant has to come up and uh, give her care basically every day, make sure she has food, um, like help with her wash basin, all of that stuff. Um, and when um, there is a uh, attempt on the princess's life, the maidservant Priya uh, reveals that she has like a forbidden magic. Um, and the two of them decide to basically burn the empire that is holding her captive to the ground um, while also falling in love. And it is really great. Um, I think it's set to be a trilogy, but only the, the first two books are out. The third one isn't. Um, and it's just, um, if you like, I would say like kind of classic fantasy, like we're bringing down like a great evil um, type of thing. There are also like a lot of really interesting side characters. There is a culture that they talk about um, where the, as a, at a certain, when you come of age, you're given your true name but your true name is a prophecy and you can't let anybody know what that prophecy is until the time of the prophecy comes to be. Um, so they just have sort of like, they just pick a name to go by at that point. And then once um, that person realizes that like, oh, here's the thing that's gonna happen, they can reveal what their like true name is going to be. And like that is a big, uh, big part of like the series and like, what happens in the book. And it's just a lot of like really interesting uh, things going on in the book. And it's not done, but I bet it's going to be great. <laughs> I was just going to say, good job. That was a risk to start reading a book, a series that wasn't over. I, yeah, Hopefully it finishes. <laughs> I was going to talk about Gideon the Ninth, and I was like, yeah. I can't. <laughs> Another series that's not done, and they added more books in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, my last one is um, Dahlgren by Samuel Delaney. And um, Samuel Delaney was um, part of what was known as the new wave of sci-fi that happened in 60s, 70s, um, which is one of my favorite um, sets of writers. It included uh, Michael Moorcock, Ursula Le Guin, Roger, Roger Zelazny, and a few other people that were just trying new things up to that point science science fiction and fantasy had kind of been you know just spaceships and shooting aliens and that sort of thing so they started trying new things um with uh sci-fi and fantasy and Dahlgren I'm finding that a lot of the books I put on my list are very hard to describe because they're very strange but um uh, a Dahlgren is a really strange post-apocalyptic sci-fi novel it's set in a fictional midwestern city called Bologna that's had a mysterious disaster nobody knows what happened but like everything's like dying everything is like 
in ruins. They don't really say what happened. It just happened. <laughs> and most people fled, but um, some people have decided to stay in this kind of like abandoned city with no real services or anything. And it's also attracted other people, including the main character who uh, is, is referred in the book as the kid, but he can't remember anything. He can't remember his name, but he's a gay character. And um, again, it's just uh, the whole city of Bologna. It's just attracted this group of people from the margins and outsiders. And, you know, especially this, it came out in the 70s. Uh, that was a time where all LGBTQ people, you know, still true. But even back then, it was even more true that, you know, we were in the margins. And um, it's just a really strange book. And it's a really interesting read. Uh, it's hard to kind of describe because it doesn't have like a real um, straightforward plot. It's just the kid going around the city <laughs> and encountering different characters of, of these, you know, marginal people. And it's it's a fascinating read. Yeah. This has been on my to-read list for a long time. And I think when I, like, started working here, we were talking about, you know, whatever, sci-fi or something. And I mentioned that I wanted to read this book, and you recommended it to me then. So I have to keep bumping yeah. this up my list, my to-read list. Yeah, it's not an easy read. It's not, you know... Like one of those quick reads, but it's yeah. it's an interesting read. <laughs> okay, so my last book is um, one of my favorite books that I read this year. So it's a 2023. Um, it's an adult novel. Uh, it's called In Memoriam by Alice Wynn. And it's a historic novel. It's an epic historic novel. Um, it takes place in the early 1900s when World War One just breaks out. And these um, boys are in a private prep school in England. And um, it is an all-male school. And these two boys become good friends before they go to this school. So they're about 13 years old. But when the novel starts, they are about 16 and 17. They're a year apart. And they develop a really close relationship. So they become best friends when they're like 13 and we meet them in the prep school um world war one is just beginning and the people around the school and just around in the world they um will go up to i don't i i think this is all historically accurate because there was so much research that was put into this novel but it seems that if people came across a young man on the street, um, they think that they should be fighting in the war. So if they're not fighting in the war, they um, would give them like some kind of a, uh, a feather or something. And it was an insult. So those boys would be insulted and they would go and they would join um, the royal, whatever they call it out in England. Um, so these boys are in school. Um, they're all underage, but one of them gets this feather. They get pressure from their parents because their mother is German. Even though they don't live in Germany, mother's German and the mother says, you should be fighting, um, you know, for, um, Eng for England. You should, so that people don't think that we're on the other side. Um, so this boy who is 17 years old, he goes and he enlists, he lies, he says he's 19 and he gets sent um, off to war. 
and he leaves his best friend behind and his best friend is 16 he's sad um, he misses him he's trying to come to terms with his feelings because we kind of realize that he's in love with um, the one who went off to war um, then we have letters exchanged back and forth between them and it kind of comes out a little bit that the one that's left behind loves the other one so um, now he decides he wants to go and fight so he lies about his age, same thing. He's 16 years old. Now he gets put in the same, um, I don't know what they're called, you know, group of uh, uh, military, unit, unit. Un yeah, unit maybe. And um, he meets his friend again. And his friend who's been in the war for several months now is a completely different person. And um, they love each other though and they both realize that the other person like they're not just pining at like one's not pining after the other like they both realize like we love each other um they kind of have a hidden relationship something major happens and um they get separated and um anyway a lot of stuff happens because it's world war one and these boys are writing letters to um other boys in their school and a lot of the kids from the school all lie about their age they all start joining um and in the book the author puts um like just lists from their school newspaper they would get the school newspaper and it would say who died in action who's injured um and they would read off all the names and a lot of the people were real people that the, the author um you know did through her research she put a lot of real people in there and then um later on we all we meet up again and we see the results of fighting in a very brutal war there's a lot like one of the characters they're in a pow camp um they go through a lot they escape um they are running through uh europe um the other one is fighting like his own battles and um Everyone suffers very badly from PTSD, but in World War One, nobody really knew that term. They just called it like, you know, um, I forgot the term that they used, but um, shell shocked. Shell shock. Yes, that's it. Oh, the, he's just shell shocked. Like it'll wear off eventually. Like they don't realize. Um, and we see like all these different effects of the PTSD, um, and the it's beautiful the writing is beautiful it's very poetic because one of the characters is a poet and so where um there's lots of prose in it um it's gut-wrenching it's brutal it's very graphic um and yet it has a happy ending and it was so beautiful it was an amazing book so i recommend it it's called in memoriam by alice Wynn, and i think it should win all sorts of awards this year I'm realizing how much better um, children's and teen librarians are at giving book talks yeah. than we oh, are. Really? Yeah, I'm like, you're so organized. <laughs> and like, I don't feel like kidding. I am, so yeah. thank you. <laughs> We're going to bring her in for this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so read that. Yeah, great recommendations, everyone. Thank you for sharing. And... Next episode, we're going to be keeping the Pride Month celebration going, and we're going to be talking about some of our favorite LGBTQ creators in film, TV, music, maybe some other genres. I don't know. So stay tuned for that. And thank you, everyone, for, for joining me in this episode. I hope you'll come back for the next episode.
I'll think about it. Yeah, locking the door right now. I have to be busy. Wash my hair. All right, bye everyone. Bye. Bye.